You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Hey, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, never driven anything but Jeeps. It's uh, This is the show for you. Josh, Tammy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Jeeps. Hi, I'm Tony, and you may, may remember me from Go Topless Day and this weekend, the Lone Star Jeep Invasion in Conroe, Texas. Yeehaw. I'm Josh, and I'm just your average, <laughs> everyday, friendly neighborhood Jeeper man. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tammy, and I took a Jeep on an adventure in a parking garage, and it was scarier than Hell's Revenge. (laughs) Josh, what's coming up on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show? Well, Tammy, as always, we're glad you asked. We've got uh, Philip from Be Ready Bladeworks stepping in, and uh, going to have a little chat with him. Great conversation there. Uh, This week in Jeep, we've got some exciting news about the Gladiator that was just announced. We'll hear about a tragic Jeep accident that has a happy ending after all. And we'll hear a little bit about the new Jeeps FCA is planning on adding to the lineup. We got, uh, well, another top five in Wrangler Talk talking about some trail etiquette do's and don'ts. And thanks to Tammy, Nikki G is going to give up, give us his top 107. Oh, Oh, goodness sakes. (laughs) And we've got a whole lot more coming up in just a little bit. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is brought to you, of course, by Amazon.com. Did you know that shopping with Amazon is the best way to support support the show? It's easy, but all you have to do is one thing first. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and press the big Amazon button there. You'll be taken right to the Amazon.com site. While there, anything you purchase will give the show a few cents while costing you absolutely nothing more. If you like what you hear or have gotten any benefit from what we do here, then please consider giving back. That's jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and look for the big Amazon button. Hey, and thanks in advance. All right, real quick, this is some important news about the Jeep Gladiator. The very first new Jeep Gladiator rolled off the Toledo assembly line yesterday afternoon. Pretty cool stuff. I know beautiful somebody out red there. red Jeep. God, it was just beautiful. Well, <laughs> uh, but somebody out there is driving it that now. Wasn't I'm sure. red. <laughs> it was. I think it was silver. White. It was a light color. Yeah. Well, what's once once was thought to have been lost has now been reborn, much like the phoenix arising from the ashes. Now, this one is a little bit of a follow-up story from something we reported on last year. When I was little, we'd all go off-roading together, and I would always ride in the back with him and my nana. This is a quote from Maddie Curley, who was recently given her grandfather's Jeep. Maddie now has the exact same Jeep her grandfather, Jerry Greeno, had owned. I'm using the past tense here because, as you may remember, this Jeep was involved in a tragic accident back in 2018. Last September, Jerry Greeno was driving his Jeep in Red River, New Mexico with his 13-year-old grandson, Austin, when tragedy struck. In attempting to navigate around a large boulder, the Jeep fell over 150 feet off the side of a mountain with the pair inside. Austin was the only survivor. He wrapped his arms around Austin. He stayed calm the whole way down, said Amanda Curley, Austin and Maddie's mother, when asked about the event. Austin had lost more than 40% of his blood and had numerous injuries, including a punctured lung, several broken bones, and he even lost his spleen. The rollover was that severe. 
Over the last six months, he miraculously healed from many of his injuries. So much so, he's even been able to help his family rebuild the broken Jeep in memory of Grandpa Greeno. I feel like he would have been pretty happy about it, said, said Austin. I feel like it feels different, but it still looks the same. I'm glad that it's here and it's not scrapped or anything. I'm glad we were able to rebuild it. One of the last wishes the uh, Greeno had was to give Maddie his beloved Jeep on her 18th birthday. The family made that possible with some help from Red Dirt Jeeps, who provided many of the parts needed to rebuild it. Red Dirt Jeeps out there, they have three things. Family, friendship, and community. So we hope to honor him and help her celebrate and make tons of new memories, said Megan Watham, co-president of Red Dirt Jeeps. They made it possible for us to rebuild this Jeep, Amanda said. The Jeep now stands identical to how Greeno had designed it. But Maddie added a final touch by naming it Fire Ant. A nod to how fire ants rebuild their homes as a community after they've been destroyed. I believe that this accident was something that came over our home and crushed it, and as a family, we stayed positive and worked to build it back up, Maddie said. Last Thursday, Red Dirt Jeeps organized a convoy to honor Maddie's grandfather. Nearly 40 Jeep owners will follow Maddie, had followed Maddie and her family down Memorial Road as they took fire ant on its first official outing. You know, um, one of the things I like best about this story, it's a follow-up. It's a wonderful follow-up to a very sad situation. Uh, but one of the things, there there are at least direct or indirect, at least 15 direct or indirect references to red in this story. Oh, Tony. <laughs> um, fire ants. You know, everybody knows fire ants are red. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, no, wasn't I... there a dog? Wasn't there a dog involved in this this wreck? And then they found the I dog like remember. two weeks later. Is that the same? No, one? that was the one. Wasn't that the one? Was that where the lady? The woman yeah, it was. in California. Yeah, it, yeah there was. There, 2018 was a bad year for rollovers. Yeah. There was a lot of tragic yeah. Jeep accidents in 2018. Hopefully, 2019. Uh, we're just sort of breaking into the wheeling season right now. Uh, is gonna is gonna fare a lot better, and hopefully people are you know, keeping it safe and, and cautious out there. I mean, what a wonderful story! I mean, and, really, and is, the Jeep really. survived, the the grandson survived, and somebody uh, the the grandfather gave his life to help protect the grandson and to rebuild. I mean, I don't know that that maybe another Jeep, uh, a, a non Jeep family oriented, you know, like just the mindset yeah. about Jeep. I just don't know that they that that a family that maybe a BMW or something that had this happen that they would have gone, well, let's rebuild the BMW in, in memory of this person. I think it has to do with the Jeep lifestyle, the Jeep family. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an honor. It's not a something that, uh, a tragedy. It's a, this was a wonderful, fun thing, and an accident happened, but it's not the Jeep's fault. I'm sure any one of us who come from a Jeep family will have a, a, a con- an image uh, come in their head when they hear the term grandpa's Jeep. And, and, you know, that, that it creates a certain image in your head, a little bit of nostalgia, you know, some, all kinds of memories start, start flooding in. And, and this story just outlines that to the nth degree. I mean, it really is, is a, a very touching story. And, and although it has uh, some very tragic aspects to it, the, the way that this sort of ends out, um, plays out and, and, you know, the little bit of a finality at the end there with the uh, fire ant on its first official outing. I thought that was really cool. Well, chances are that if you have a Jeep, you're not going to die or be injured, but it does happen. This is not a, a hobby or a sport for uh, people that aren't willing to take risks, and you need to keep that in mind. 
But like I said, but chances are you're going to be just fine. But then again, chances are somebody will hit you from a drunk driver will hit you too. So, you know, life is a risk. You might as well have fun while you're doing it. Indeed. Well, straight from the horse's mouth, Mark Allen is head of design for Jeep. So if you have any beef with the lines of the rig you're driving or the ones that you see, uh, he's the guy to send those nasty emails to. Well, he's done a decent job, however, as sales were up 17% last year. And the company just announced it's investing several billion, that's billion with an M, dollars in new U.S. production capacity that's going to increase the number of vehicles in the lineup from six to nine in the short term and add even more down the road. First up will be a new Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer. We've been talking about this for several weeks now, along with a yet-to-be-named third-row model that we just broke the news on last week. Now, we now also know that that Jeep will be built at the same factory as the Grand Cherokee. There's a lot of growth that's going to be happening in the brand in a short amount of time. We're excited by it, and we're working hard, said Mark Allen in a recent interview. His primary job is to figure out what they are going to look like, and the vehicles really couldn't be any different. The Wagoneers will be full-size trucks based on the Ram 1500 platform. Exciting news, I know, but we're going to have to wait a couple more years until they hit the showroom floors in 2021. Allen isn't spilling the beans on the styling of any of them yet, but says, quote, everything will have its own look. I like to do that within the line. I don't like the idea of the Russian doll where it's just a larger and smaller size of the same design. Well, that's a comforting relief because the auto industry has seen plenty of that over the decades. One thing you can be pretty confident of is that they will all undoubtedly feature Jeep's signature seven-slot grille, even if they're not retro. All of Jeep's current models have it, including the China-only Grand Commander three-row SUV, and even though the last Wagoneer didn't have it, signs are the next one will. An early design teaser for the truck that leaked a couple years ago depicted it with one and also showed the relative size of the vehicle, which looked like it could literally eat the Grand Cherokee parked next to it. Needless to say, I think the Jeep world is all collectively holding its breath for the spy photos to start getting leaked out. Do you guys think that Jeep leaks these spy photos out? I think there's I, a good I chance. I think there's I a think good that, chance. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with Tony on this one, too. I, I think there's a good chance that, that it's their own crew of paparazzi, if you will, um, that right. are leaking these out or they're you know leaking them out as if they are paparazzi. I think it's all part of a marketing plan. Uh, you know, I wouldn't doubt if these photos already have been taken and they're just waiting to release them because, you know, they, right. I, mean, I, I don't know. But I would imagine there's definitely some sort of stuff happening behind the scenes as far as, you know, spy photos and that sort of stuff that is all coming out of the marketing department. So I yeah. bet I'm thinking the JL fires were it was an inside job just for marketing. Well, I mean, Tammy was inside there one day. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> hey, uh, the, actually, the... Um, the the one from inside the the plant the red one that I got blamed for mm-hmm. I don't think I think that one was a legit real leak photo because you know they were harping on Royal and then they were they wanted my phone number to call and talk to me oh God we sh- you should have got them on record that would have been great for the uh, that'd, that'd sure, be good podcasting be- right there. Yeah, right. Um, so uh, switching gears, you had mentioned, uh, at the top, uh, about mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the new gladiator rolling down yeah. the, the, the line there. Um, why don't you think it was red? No, I'm sorry. That's not it. Uh, what are they, are they, does that mean they're getting ready to start selling these things? I mean, they're building them. I, I only saw the one, uh, I was confused by the video. I didn't think they were coming out yet. Okay. So well, the, they're, they're scheduled to, to, to 2020 is the model year. 
you know, but they start making them in 2019. Oh, that's right. They start selling around September or something, don't they? Right. So it's going to be fourth quarter sales is when you're going to start seeing them, even though they're produced a little bit earlier in the year. Now that, which is weird because ordinarily it's about the sixth month mark is when you get your, your, your half year model um, designation. So these will technically be 2019 Jeeps, but they're not going to be released until 2020. Interesting. And I know the first, like, I don't know, however many, they're sending them up to um, Detroit and they do all sorts of testing on them. Mm. Oh, um, that like, makes sense. I, I can't remember who, I think maybe Royal told me that when I was getting the tour and we were talking about the JLs. Now I know, and now I know why they're not red because they're going to be d- d- destroying these things. Oh, sh- <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, every every auto manufacturer has their own testing grounds. You know, uh, a, pl- a, a closed course, if you will, uh, right. an area behind fences, very tall fences, lots of trees. You know, that sort of stuff. <laughs> where where they can, they can put vehicles through their paces, and we're talking, you know, circle track, you know, long distance where you can get up to top speed, hard braking, um, all sorts of suspension and steering and acceleration tests. You know, all that sort of stuff. They put the vehicles through their paces. And they do them in these facilities. Tammy's exactly right. You know, they're going to send a whole bunch of these out there to sort of, you know, test. This is going to be quality control more or less. Are these things coming off the line and are they going to fall apart the first curb that they jump? You know, that sort of thing. So, you know, that's what the the kind of test they're going to put them through is really going to see, you know, are these things going to be durable enough to, you know, have the Jeep name? Can we release these out to market? What I want to know is can, how can the Jeep Talk Show get a discount on some of those test vehicles? I was thinking the, the similar, but I was thinking about we just get one. <laughs> oh, well, hey. You know, I, was, I mean, you know, it's got so some miles money. on them. They're used, you know, so let's, uh, let's been rolled a couple times. You know, whatever. Little right, little know. quid quid pro quo here. So um, the, the, I don't know if you guys, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming everybody has seen that video where it's coming down the line at you. And it, it looks just like a, a JL. I mean, mm-hmm. the front of it, you can't tell a difference. And I yeah. think that's a problem. I think that if you have a, a Jeep truck, it needs you need to be able to see coming at you that that is not a JL. Not that there's anything wrong with a JL, but this is not a JL. It's different from a JL. It's a Jeep truck. So I really think they ought to have the Gladiator nose on that thing, like you've seen in some aftermarket uh, Jeeps. Oh, yeah. Because if it had the Gladiator nose on it, that would be very distinctive. And, and you know those kits are going to be out maybe before the the Jeep truck hits the market uh, so that you can put those those nose clips on it because that would make it so distinctive. It, it's definitely a Jeep. It's not a JL. That's a Jeep truck. Wow, look at that. Now, I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see aspects of that specifically, Tony, with the Grand Wagon, with the Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer. They're going to be based on the Ram fifteen hundred frame. That platform. It's a much different front end that we're going to be seeing from Jeep than we ever have before, or at least certainly in the last kind of couple decades. So this is going to be that 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 styling cue that you're going to be like, okay, that vehicle behind me is you know, fill in the blank. You know, it's, it's, it's that Grand Wagoneer. It's that Wagoneer. It's that Grand yeah, Cherokee. You want that, that wow factor, especially yeah. when they first come out, you know, it's like, oh, I got to have one of those. I got to get rid of this Ford Focus and, and, and get on, get this, get on the Jeep wagon. Well, here in a couple of years, we're going to start seeing Jeeps on the market that are larger than any Jeep that has been on <laughs> the road in be 30 weird. years. Yeah. So, you know, Hey, <laughs> that's going to be really strange. I mean, I remember the, uh, what was it? The SK, the, the, the Cherokee Chief, uh, those mm, things were yeah. huge. 
Was yeah, it, is it SK? Is that right? But anyway, the, the Cherokee Chiefs, they were just huge in comparison and got about, you know, three miles a gallon with the V8. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, they were still cool. They were really still oh, cool. Oh, those lines. Yeah. Well, hey, if you have a news tip or response to any one of our stories, we definitely want to hear what you have to say. Make sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how to reach out. Hey, coming up a little bit later in the show, interview with Philip from Be Ready Bladeworks. Stick around. And coming up in Tech Talk, more wrenching hacks. And I don't know, maybe the hack will be a wrench with a dime, using a dime to get the right millimeter size in there. Uh, maybe not. We'll no, have to, it's, it's, we'll it's pay per turn. you gotta, you got to keep feeding <laughs> yeah, dimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Oh, and you know, we're always asking you to go check out that 4x4 Radio Network website. And once for good reason, there's all kinds of stuff that's popping up there all the time. It's your one-stop shop for, well, all your off-road audio needs. And hey, we got something for everybody there, regardless of what they drive. On the Trail Podcast is there. Trail Chasers is there. Center Steer Podcast. And we even got the 4x4 Podcast putting out great shows. It's a lot of great off-road audio. It's all for free, and it's all at 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. Hey, how about some Jeep Talk Show merch? Hey, you know what merch is. That's a slang term for merchandise. Well, whatever it's called, you can have yours. T-shirts, cell phone cases, and I'm pretty sure there's some yoga pants in there. There you go. I was waiting for that. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash store, and don't forget to use our discount code EARHOLE. Yes, oh, EARHOLE to get $7 off your purchase through March 31st. That's like, you know. Like nine days from now. So go over there and get Time's running out. Yeah, yeah. You got to get there quick. Shut up and listen. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut up. Shut up, Shane. Hey. Shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler Talk. It's time for G-Mama. It's time for another G-Mama Top 5. So now that spring is here, which that was... Two days ago was the official start of spring, and we're all hoping the temperatures are going to start warming up really fast because that means it's trail time, and I'm so excited. I'm going to be hitting the trails in a couple of weeks myself. I can't wait, and that means it's time to brush up on those unwritten rules of trail etiquette. It's to keep myself safe and others safe, so guess what? It's my top five do's and don'ts trail etiquette. Are we playing the thing on this one? Um, yeah, I guess we could. Number five. Okay, so I'm going to do a do and a don't in each um, top number, I guess you would call it. So a do is always keep track of your group when off-roading in a group. Um, it's the responsibility of every Jeep driver or off-road driver to keep track of the vehicle behind them by constantly checking your rear view mirror. Now, while you're in this group, this long line of Jeeps, you don't want to tailgate. It's dangerous <laughs> and it's annoying. Hurry up! Uh, <laughs> Move your ass! Oh, I'm sorry. That, I thought I was in traffic. <laughs> No, that, that's what people tell me because I'm a, I'm a slow solo wheeler. Um, what you want to do is you want to allow the vehicle ahead of you to completely pass over the obstacle before you make the attempt. So keep enough distance between you and the jeeper in front of you. Oh, and get the hell out of the way when you get over the obstacle and don't park so damn close to it that as the jeeps bunch up, 
you know, the person coming over the obstacle has to worry about running into the pile of Jeeps because nobody wants to get too far because they want to get out and watch. Uh, but, right. I, but I digress. Number four. So this is a do. When you're going up an incline, you have the right of way. So all all vehicles, I'm a, yeah, just had to make sure I read that right. On the steep inclines, when you're going up it, you could lose that climbing momentum, which is going to cause a loss of traction or engine stall. So the vehicle going down should pull safely over so the person can get up as quickly as possible. Number four is don't, don't speed on the trails. Trail riding is not a quick activity. You know, take your time, enjoy mother nature, and just really concentrate on paying attention on where your Jeep is going and the obstacles in front of you and just enjoy your time. But Tammy, I'm out of beer and I got to get back to camp and get through the cooler. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Number three. So you're going to, this is a do. You're going to want to be prepared. Make sure you bring all your essentials, including your toe straps, your recovery straps, your recovery kit, a first aid kit, you want to make sure you have the CB radio and your spare tire. Make sure you bring your spare tire. And, you know, just there's so many places out there on the Internet that can tell you essentials that you need to bring while you're off-roading. Now, this is a don't. Dusting. Um, and this is why you don't <laughs> want to speed. Um, anytime you drive by someone on a dirt road at more than 10 miles an hour, you're going to cause a huge cloud of dust. And you know what? There's a lot of Jeepers out there that drive topless with their doors off. And this dust is not going to only cover the interior vehicle. It can also inhibit the driver's vision or their breathing. So slow down to a crawl and prevent the dusting. Number two. When you're out on the trails or even when you're on the highways or in the city driving, I see this a lot. Stop to help other Jeepers, um, other off-roaders. We're all relying on each other, especially out in those remote areas. And, you know, the off-road Jeeper community is one of the friendliest and most helpful groups out there. So we want to continue everybody to do that. You do it. The person you stop to help will remember that. And they're going to stop to help the next person, so on and so on. So stop and help people. The number two, don't wheel spinning, um, especially when you're on <laughs> those on, obstacles. <laughs> Taking all the fun out I of this. I know, I know. <laughs> rules, rules, rules. Um, ordinarily, wheel spinning is a result of one or two things. Driver error or having the wrong equipment. And either one is going to throw rocks or mud on other vehicles. And it also causes deeper ruts on the trails. And it makes it an unpleasant experience for the next person. And if you find yourself in this situation where you're spinning excessively, you know, back up a little, try a different line, or turn around. Number one. So, number one, do. Do leave your ego at home. And don't let others pressure you into doing something you're not comfortable doing. And you know what? I find every off-road trail ride I've been on is... Nobody has ever pressured me. They've encouraged me and they've told me I can do it and usually I can, but no one's ever called me a wuss or, you know, you big chicken. I've called myself a chicken, 
But, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking the bypass if you or your vehicle is not up for tackling that obstacle. Because you want to make sure that you're safe and your vehicle is safe. Don't rock stack. This is permissible occasionally to help you get out of a really bad situation. But if you're routinely trying to or having to stack rocks to make an over an obstacle, you may want to rethink your route or your vehicle's capability. It Rock stacking is disturbing the environment, and it's going to change the obstacle. So don't rock stack. So a couple other tips I want to give you is, like I said, closely observe the vehicle ahead of you. This is going to help you pick the proper line, and make sure you know how the Jeeper in front of you compares to your Jeep. Because this is going to help you negotiate over rough spots. And what you're going to want to do is watch their rear differential. That's a good starting point. That'll help you decide where you want to go. And get a better perspective when there are multiple obstacles by dropping farther back. It gives you more time to think through your strategy on those trails. And like Tony said earlier, when you're stopped, pull completely off the trail. Um, You want to probably pick a spot that's already been disturbed. And once you get over that obstacle, if you're going to watch other people get over it, pull far enough ahead so that everybody can stop and park and watch. Um, Try not to park on tall, dry grass, obviously for fire safety reasons. Leave no man behind, just like in the military. If a vehicle in your group has a problem, that group stays together until the problem is resolved. And be prepared for that every time you go out. So just have that in the back of your mind. If you've made several attempts on an obstacle and there's a long line of rigs waiting their turn and you're having a hard time, you know, just pull over and let the others through and then try to go over that obstacle. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with being winched through an obstacle. The last time I went wheeling, we had to do that with a couple of Jeeps. And, you know, it's okay if you can't make it on your own for a number of reasons. And then, of course, this is Josh's favorite. Always Mm -hmm. practice good leave no trace and tread lightly ethics so just to, to be clear it may not be obvious to everybody about the tall grass a lot of them a, a, a lot a lot of people know this some don't the catalytic converter on your jeep or or converters uh, i guess it's possible i don't know if any of them use more than one uh, but they can get very very hot especially if they are partially clogged thousands of degrees like a thousand two thousand degrees and uh, even whenever it's not, it's still hot, and that can uh, ignite the grass that's touching it, or or even close by, and then your your Jeep becomes uh, a nice fire pit. Uh, even if you get it out of there, you don't know it may cause a lot of damage to the the, the surrounding uh, trails, and uh, you just uh, just don't do it. Uh, so yeah, you could start a forest fire. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> good lord, you you do not want the, that that visit from Smokey the Bear. I guarantee no. you. Yeah, thank you, uh, Tammy, for uh, talking about Tread Lightly and Leave No Trace. Uh, If you guys want to learn more about Tread Lightly principles and how you can help keep our public lands open for off-road use, please consider going and checking out and supporting Tread Lightly at treadlightly.org. And coming up later in the show, we're going to have more top 107 from (laughs) Nikki G. Oh, boy. It's going to be a long list. This might be a long show, folks. So hopefully you have a long commute to work today. (laughs) I can hear the fast forward buttons being slammed from here. (laughs) Right. 
Hey, Snickers, we got them. You want them. Well, some of you do. Don't <laughs> don't have your Jeep Talk Show stickers yet. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. And through one of the many ways there, contact us and let us know you want stickers. We'll send you an address where you can send your self-addressed stamped envelope. And uh, we'll get those stickers out to you usually in a few days and uh, most time under a week. Hey guys, it's Brad from Pennsylvania. Uh, love the show. Been listening for well over a year now. Um, currently on my third XJ. It's my fifth Jeep overall, though. Uh, it's a Red 96 four door, about uh, seven or eight inches of lift, long arm, 35s, lockers, hydro assist, pretty much uh, all built myself in my garage. Um, the reason I'm calling is I've been jumping fat back and forth between new shows and old shows and made it to episode 96 on the Jeep Talk Show app and realized that it jumped from 96 to 101. So didn't know if there was, uh, there was a couple episodes in between there somewhere out on the interwebs or what the deal was. Um, anyhow, uh, love what you guys are doing. Keep up the good work. I am uh, looking forward to my Jeep Talk Show stickers that I sent my envelope for about uh, three weeks ago. So hopefully they'll show up soon and I'd be happy to snap some pictures and send them your way. Anyways, keep up the good work, guys. Love the show. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Now, see, you people are sitting there assuming I didn't didn't send it out. No, well, that's uh, not that's not the case. Uh, uh-huh. I, and one of the things I was going to let him know, the sad news is everything that I have received has gone out within a few days or at least a week. So if you haven't received it, then it could be that if there wasn't a return address on the, the envelope that you sent me, it may be in the, the U.S. Post Office ether. Uh, and that's another thing that I'm glad that he called about this because there's been a few people that have written ambassador on their envelopes. And I stuffed that thing pretty good. I don't want to overstuff it, but I know one went out recently with a single stamp, and it was one of those big Manila folders. Uh oh, <laughs> yeah, that's not that that won't fly. <laughs> so you guys got to remember, uh, and this is the, one of the reasons why we're getting you guys to do the self-addressed stamped envelopes, is because it's a, it's a lot of uh, it's a hassle to do these things. So we're trying to offload that on on you guys that are getting the stickers for free. You need to do your research. Make sure you put enough postage on there for it to get back to you. And I'm I'm wondering if that's what's happened to Brad because no, it's been real easy just to take stickers, stick it in there, close it up, and and drop it off while I'm at work. So everything's gone out. I've got two waiting to go out that I received this week, and I looked at both of them when I heard this voicemail, and neither one of them uh, neither one of them said uh, Brad on it. So well, really, it's possible that maybe his one of his neighbors ended up getting that's it, true too. Uh, yeah. You know, I, Possibly, you know, the mailman just got, you know, he didn't, uh, didn't separate the things quite right. One envelope off and, you know, the neighbor got a bunch of stickers that he has no idea what to do with. <laughs> or the mailman is a jeeper. And oh, like, yeah. The mailman's <laughs> jacking the stickers. Oh, dirty. So, uh, while I was uh, talking here, I was scrolling through the Jeep Talk Show app and sure enough, it goes from uh, episode 96 to 101. I have to look into that. Um, I, uh, I I know that in some of the very first episodes, there was a, a, like a jump of like from episode six to eight or something, but uh, I did not know about this one. Um, and yeah, because uh, missing out on that episode 100, that was a ball. Yeah. Well, 200 was the big show with the... Uh, 
the uh, reminiscing about the Henway joke and everything else. But anyway, um, you should be able to go to the JeepTalkShow.com website and listen to all the episodes there. So if you're jonesing for episode uh, 97, 98, 99, and 100, you should just be able to go straight to uh, the JeepTalkShow.com website and listen. But uh, we will find out why these things are missing, and thank you for calling that to our attention. You got tech questions? Ah, what do I ever... We have answers. Oh, that's good. I just, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep So it was in episode 373 that we started a new multi-part series outlining some tips, tricks, and hacks to make wrenching on your Jeep go a lot smoother. We covered all kinds of things in the first two installments, everything from simple stuff like making your own penetrating oil to the more scientific by using the principles of thermodynamics to your advantage. Then I got sick as a dog and we skipped a couple weeks. Today we pick up the wrenches, we pick the wrenches back up and we get back to work. One of the most common parts to wear out on a Jeep is any one of the various rod ends found in your Jeep's steering system. Tie rod ends are the connecting points for all of these and over time and trails they can wear out and cause any number of drivability issues. I could probably dedicate a whole segment just to tie rod ends and steering linkage, but we'll save that for another day. Swapping out a rod end is relatively easy, but if you've never done it, then it may seem like it's fighting you the whole time and it's frozen in place. And in some regard, that's true. The tapered body of the ball stud, the the part of the rod end that moves around and mates with the knuckle or the tie rod or pitman arm, is press-fitted into place once it's torqued down. Getting the mount is, is easy if you know the trick. And no, it doesn't involve a pry bar. Ever. (laughs) <laughs> in fact, all you need is a BFH. What's a BFH? Well, the B stands for big and the H stands for hammer. I'll let your imagination fill in what the F stands for. Well, I think it we seems- could use uh, SpaceX's uh, thing and just call it Falcon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems counterintuitive that to push a tie rod end or ball joint out the bottom of a knuckle, you'd use that BFH to hammer on the knuckle from the side. But that's just what you do. And it does indeed work. And it works very well. A few swings and it'll literally just drop right out. It won't work, though, if you keep the nut on the tie rod end, so heed my advice and just like a Saturday night, loosen those nuts before you start swinging. If you've ever done a brake job on a Jeep or any rig for that matter, then you are all too aware of the fact that bleeder nipples are made of the softest material known to humankind (laughs) and that even the slightest twist with a box wrench will strip the flats right off of them, forcing you to break out the vice grips and invent some new expletives. If you have a brake bleeder nipple that is stuck, well, you may strip it when trying to use a small wrench because there's not much surface area on the wrench in contact with the nipple. I like to take a long socket of the correct size, of course, and use it instead. There's also, of course, a after, this is also, after, of course, after liberal application of my favorite rust buster or penetrating oil, and if it's overly rusty, maybe even a little heat, too. It almost always works without stripping the bleeder, so, yeah, use it. Since replacement nipples are cheap, tell that to the plastic surgeon, it's always good to uh, it's always a good idea to replace the ones that are worn, rusted, or that have stripped out. If you live or wheel or drive frequently through desert terrain or any hot environment for long enough, well, chances are that you'll eventually bust a radiator or heater hose. Certainly not that expensive to have on hand and relatively easy to remove and install even on the trail. But don't go chucking that old broken hose away just quite yet. They come in handy for protecting your new heater or radiator hoses from damage. If you have an area where a hose is definitely contacting something or even might contact something, cut the old hose to length, cut it about one inch past whatever the hazard is in either direction, and then slit it lengthwise. Put it over the new hose and use electrical tape or zip ties to hold it in place. I like the electrical tape option because it can stretch and flex and 
you really get a good look if, you, if it's done right. Okay, one more and we'll put this thing to bed until next week. This is an easy one and it comes in super handy if you are ever out on the trail and need to top off some vehicle fluids. Whatever your soft drink of choice is, a sawed-off 20-ounce bottle works great for filling just about any fluid under the hood. From newer brake master cylinders to coolant to engine oil, it's a great way to keep the spillage under control. In fact, you probably have one laying around the Jeep or rolling around under the seat right now anyways, so you might as well put it to good use. Hey, at least it beats trying to keep 10 funnels on the shelf and cleaning them before and after each use. So, Tony, Tammy, either of you have a quick tip to add to this? I hate twisted nipples. Uh, <laughs> You're using the wrench wrong. I don't know. Oh, uh, wet willies are kind of on fine, the spot. But. No, no. <laughs> now, Tammy, I know that you you don't have a whole lot of seat time when it comes to wrenching and and right. you know stuff like that and the troubleshooting and, and all the other stuff. And a lot of the stuff does come with experience. The more that you're around people working on Jeeps or the more that you're working on your own Jeep, the more experience you get and the more knowledge and, and of course, uh, perspective you get as far as, you know, all that wrenching and, and technical knowledge goes. And, of course, these little tips and tricks might come in handy next time you're wrenching on your Jeep. Well, I want to say one quick thing. I was just re-watching my video with, when I was um, swapping out my diff covers and I was trying to get the bolts off with the ratchet and I just could not, you know, get them, you know, to turn. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I put my mechanics gloves on, I just, I don't know, I just, it's like, you know, superpower time. And it made it so much easier. So for me, whenever I'm trying to loosen really tight bolts or whatever, I'm always wearing my mechanics gloves. That's my little tip. You, well, it's, it's much like, you know, trying to get the uh, the lid off the pickle jar. You know, you put a towel around it, you get a little bit more mm-hmm. grip, a little bit more leverage. And yeah, having those gloves on, it gives you a little more confidence, gives you a little bit more grip and, and a little bit of cushion on there. You can put more force into that edge of that tool before it digs into your palm. So absolutely, Tammy. Yes, gloves will give you a little bit of extra strength, if you will. It's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, new shoes when you were a kid. Oh, look how fast I can run with these right. new shoes. Yeah, you know, it's kind of the same thing. It's, it's psychosomatic, but... But there is some science behind it. Also, too, Tammy, uh, Josh just mentioned leverage. Um, next time you go to, uh, I don't guess anybody goes to Sears anymore, but I always would peruse the the uh, tools, the Craftsman tools oh, at Sears. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Walmart has tools. There's, I'm sure there's some place that has tools that you, that you go to. Go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, so uh, when you go there, look for uh, three-eighths inch ratchets and the length of the handle. And what you might want to do is look for one that is uh, quite a bit longer, maybe twice or a third longer than the one that you, you currently have. That will work wonders whenever you're trying to uh, break loose uh, nuts or bolts, and it can do wonders in uh, twisting them off. <laughs> so you, uh, but, it, but in those cases, if you use more leverage, it'll help. And you can always slide a pipe onto your, uh, your right. ratchet handle to get more leverage. But I like having the actual tool long enough to use. And uh, besides that, it's just, it's like getting a good knife. It's fun to have uh, another tool to, to use. And you never know when you might need it in something. Yeah, back in episode 374, we had a good little lesson about torque and leverage uh, that, that Tony was just talking about. So go back and listen to that one, and you guys can uh, can get up to speed. Well, anything else to add? Maybe you have a question for Tech Talk. Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. Love to have your answer answered here on the show, or your question answered here on the show. There we go. 
The Jeep Talk Show. It's not about us. It's about you, the listeners. It's Tim from Torrance. Hey, Jeepers. This is uh, Rob Sunnerton. Hey, guys. It's Cody with TrailChasers.net with another grand adventure. Hey, guys. This is Cody from Indiana. Yoo-hoo. Hello, Jeep Talk Show crew. This is FJ Rick. Hi, guys. This is Joe. If a turtle doesn't have a shell, is he naked or homeless? Hey, guys. This is Ron out in Arizona. Hey, what's up? Jeep Talk Show. This is Jason, Oregon Trail Off-Road. Hi, this is Jake from California, and I'm sitting here eating pork rinds for breakfast. Hey, this is uh, PAG Free. Hey, Tony, Josh, Danny, Secretary Jake Collin. This is John, free runner in 1982, and on today's Radio Context segment, I'm going to talk about APRS, Anal Probe Restraint System. No! No. No, that's not right. We love our listeners. We haven't heard from Joe in like forever. We used to hear from Joe, you know, every um, almost every so. week. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was it was more. Well, I just hadn't heard him in a long time. I wonder if he got Hi, rid of his, his Joe. Grand, yeah. I wonder if he got rid of his uh, his Grand Cherokee or something. But well, well, hopefully uh, Joe's still listening. And Joe, you need to call in. Hey guys, this is Dwayne from Houston, Texas. Just calling to let you know what a positive influence you guys have been. Um, after three episodes in a row listening and having folks on talking about becoming a ham radio operator. Um, as of today, I officially passed my technician uh, class license. Nice. Um, so here in about a week, I'll get my very first call sign, and I'll be licensed as a uh, ham radio operator with a technician's license. So thanks for the encouragement and the episodes that kind of prompted me to stick my foot out there and uh, get it done. Thanks, guys. That's great. You'll have to let us know what your call is. Uh, call in. Absolutely. Let us know when you when you get the call. And of course, I had to respond with correct congrats. And you kids today waiting a whole oh. week to go online and find out what your call sign was. It was three to six weeks in my day, and you had to walk <laughs> your ass out to the mailbox and check it every oh, day. I checking, checking after after a week, like every day. Like, is there yet? Is there yet? Is there yet? <laughs> is, is open, open, open. <laughs> well, congrats, Dwayne. I think that's awesome, man. Glad to glad to uh, to hear that you passed, man. I I, uh, I know the studying and everything is a little little gruesome there uh, at times for for some of this stuff, but uh, but really cool, man. Glad you got uh, your operator's license and uh, your technician license, rather, and, uh, well, KG7TPY, if you ever hit me up. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Well, boys and girls, it's time for another interview on the Jeep Talk Show. I mean, uh, why else would I be talking and saying this, right? <laughs> Tonight, we're going to be talking to Philip with Be Ready Blade Works. And I just noticed something that was kind of cool. Uh, his website is uh, brbwtx.com, uh, which I quickly said, oh, be right back, West Texas. So... <laughs> You can just head, you can just head over there to brbwtx.com uh, or be be right back West Texas for the uh, <laughs> for the website and look at all these great knives there. Be ready, Blade Works. Uh, Philip, thanks a lot for being with us. Now, uh, if it sounds like I know Philip, I do. We've uh, we've spoken several times and and have met in the past. And uh, we actually got uh, had uh, had you scheduled for an interview maybe a year, year and a half ago. But uh, some scheduling things came up and you weren't able to be with us. So I'm glad you were able to be with us tonight. 
I'm, I'm glad I'm here this go around. <clears throat> oh, my voice. Ugh. Yeah, glad I'm here this go around. That's when it goes, right I'm as gonna... you start having to talk for the interview. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Great timing. I'm, I'm going to go, uh, you know, scoop up that domain real quick. So <laughs> anybody trying to type in, be right back, West Texas, you'll see some knives, not pictures of West Texas. Oh, uh, but uh, that, you know, you need knives in West Texas with all the, uh, all the critters and stuff that are running around out there. So absolutely. Uh, now, how long have you been making knives? And, 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 and this is something that you do yourself. This isn't something that you've contracted with people in China or even American-made anything. You make these knives yourself, correct? Absolutely. Start to finish as much as I can possibly do myself, I do. There are some things that I outsource as far as materials, but I 100% they are made in the USA. If I can, I get them from Texas makers. Um, I've been doing this roughly three years. I've been full-time for a year. First two years were, you know, getting down the techniques, making sure I'm doing things proper, making a quality product, part of it, just playing around, seeing what I can do, what I can't do, where's my specialty, things that I'm definitely not good at, I jump to the side. So the past year has been full-time. Uh, and man, I'm living the dream. I'm loving every minute of it. How do you make a knife? There are different ways of making knives. And this is one of the debates within certain people that know a few things. You have forging a knife and that's, you know, you can either use coal as your heat source, um, just like the old blacksmith did, uh, or you can use propane. You build a forge using, you know, certain refractory cements and insulation materials to keep it hot with propane being your fuel source. And you just bang it out on an anvil. That's one way. That's that's forging. The other way is called stock removal. Stock removal is where you start with your bar stock and you basically just stencil out and cut the shape. Once, you know, either way, whether you're doing it on, on the anvil, forging it, or if you're doing stock removal, you're going to be left with a basic shape. You can you can start doing your bevels. Uh, bevels are the the angles and the pitch of your blade. Um, you can do some of that on your anvil as well, but you know, you're going to be right at that spot, whether you're forging or stock removing, then you're going to have to go over to a grinder, uh, and, and start working and refining your bevels and your contours and your shapes and all that. Once you've got that done, you, you actually have what's called a blade blank. Um, it's not sharp yet, but you can start seeing it take form from there, uh, handles you, you can, the, the amazing thing about all of this, the artistic nature behind it, there's some really cool things you can do with handles. Um, one of those things that I outsource, uh, starting to dabble in doing myself is, is making handle materials. They're called hybrid handles and, and you can stabilize and dye natural woods and then mix in, you know, all kinds of different psychedelic, cool, crazy, subtle, whatever colors of acrylic. And, uh, you, you can get some really fascinating looking material out of that and then you slap them on the uh the blade blank and start contouring the handle getting the nice shape and the feel to it uh and then your final step basically is uh putting you know your final cutting edge on it uh, i skipped a step in there you know the, <laughs> the most important step actually is your heat treating process um once you've got that blank you have to heat treat it your steels are very soft if you were to take an uh, un unheated heat treated uh, knife and, and start whacking on some stuff, you'd, you'd ruin it pretty fast. So the heat treatment process, quenching and tempering are uh, extremely important. 
How did you get into this? I mean, it just seems kind of random. It was your your stint in prison, wasn't it? Making knives with the other inmates. <laughs> exactly. You got to make a living somehow, right? That's right. <laughs> got to get smoked uh, somehow. <laughs> it's it's kind of a, a curious thing. My my background is in audio engineering. That's what I went to school for. I worked in one of the nicest recording studios in Houston. Um, and quickly learned if you didn't own the studio, you didn't make money. So I was out of that game. Uh, but my background is music. So coincidentally, I was just you know looking on YouTube one day and I saw this 16 year old kid bang out a beautiful looking knife. I went back and watched it again. And I was looking around in the shop, looking at the tools that he was using. And I said, I, I have all of those. I can do that. And I'm wow. not 16. <laughs> that's exactly it. I mean, that's exactly it. I can do that. So I, I tried. And, you know, everybody in the knife making community says, keep your first knife. You look back on it oh, and laugh. Yes. And it's, it's, it's true. Because you're so proud of it, but it's horrible. <laughs> but it starts the ball rolling. Then I did Thanks. a little more market research. Uh, and I kind of started to see what some of these really nice high-end knife makers were charging. And I said, yeah, not only can I do this, I'm going to do this. So... That was the start. I, I, the first knife, I just got hooked, the, the, the passion behind it. And, you know, I've, I've got some focus issues and, and anger issues and being oh, able to. This is great for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so therapeutic. It's so therapeutic. <laughs> being able to just turn the world off and focus. Um, it, it's, it's a magical experience. And then being able to have someone appreciate the blood, sweat, and tears that you put into something and treasure it for for decades and pass it on to their kids that you know, that kind of thing that really uh makes me happy to to do that so let me ask you you were mentioning about uh outsourcing the uh, the handles for the knives i mm-hmm. and maybe i'm just uh one of these uncultured people but i have never cared for the the fancy knife handles i always like the just the the plain uh black um and I forget what you call it, the uh, the composite stuff or, you know, the stuff that's not not natural, not horn, not uh, wood, mm-hmm. n- none of that. Is is that a, a bad thing to have for, for a knife handle? Not at all. Not at all. Especially, you know, we're dealing with jeepers here, especially if you're going to be out on the trails. You want something that's going to be more durable and more rugged and be able to take that beating that, that we give our jeeps on the yeah, trails. That's, that's the way I was uh, looking at it. Exactly. No, absolutely. They're... There are composite materials, um, two main ones that are used. One is called micarta, and the other one is called G10. And essentially, they're both layers of different porous materials that are under pressure, uh, high, high pressures, soaking in uh, very strong epoxies once they're cured out. I mean, micarta, you can, I've done it before, you can take construction paper, and just, I've done it with red and black, just layering red and black construction paper and Bondo actually was my first one I did. And yeah, it doesn't turn out fantastic, but it turns out very well. Right. Uh, and then G10 is, is, is more rugged uh, and more durable. Uh, it's closer to a, a carbon fiber-esque mm-hmm. material, but it's still in that layers uh, and it's still uh, porous layers that, that soak up the the epoxy material to, to make a sheet of just incredibly durable material. I've actually made um, metal-free knives out of G10, oh. just 100% G10, uh, and they they work. 
Uh, well, you know, you're not going to go whack down a tree with it. Um, but for self-defensive purposes, uh, a lot of my stuff, I do tactical and self-defense knives and they're fantastic. If, if they're going up against bone, the bone will give the G10 will not. Excellent. Uh, what do you think about using the paracord as a knife handle? The, different, you know, everybody has different tastes and different applications. There's absolutely nothing the matter with using paracord. Uh, the, I put paracord on a lot of my axes. Um, yeah. Uh, two different styles of axes that I run. And m most of the people that buy my axes are outdoors, bushcrafters, survivalist type people. And, and they want something that's just quick and on the go. And they also like that paracord. You know, if they need to take it off to string up a tent or, you know, snare a trap, whatever they want to do with it. Paracord is very versatile for that. You know, I've got a lot of hunters that like to shy away from that. If we're working with a skinning knife, you you don't want the, the nasty stuff that goes on with skinning oh, an animal. Yeah, yeah very true. Hard. It, it doesn't wash out. So, you know, different applications, different tastes, but all there's no right or wrong as, as far as handle application. It's just what the, the end user is going to want. So I, you know, I get as a hunter what you would, you know, the different things that you would use a knife for, or maybe like you said, a survivalist, but like just your average every day. And th this is a girl question. I'm sure all the guys are like, oh my God, <laughs> not, not, not all, not all. <laughs> you, don't you know, like besides cutting rope or maybe cutting down a small branch, what, what you guys make it what sound you, like why a do you, knife? Why is, do you have to have a knife? Uh, right, I think where I know, she's getting like, at. Exactly. I'm like, what sure. other kind of uses would you have for it? I, you know, doing different trade shows and expos and everything, I get that question. And I, I jokingly say, you know, well, what don't you need a knife for? And they kind of look and roll their eyes. And, and rightfully <laughs> so. I'm, I'm being a little sarcastic here. But in all honesty, anything from a self-defense situation, uh, I, I Like I said, I, I make a lot of tactical EDC, everyday carry type knives that are designed to poke the enemy, eliminate that threat, so you go back home to your family. You, know, mm -hmm. you go back home to your husband, your kids, wife, kids, whatever the situation is. You go back to your family. They don't. That's the far end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is I just want to cut my bologna sandwich at lunch and yeah. anything, everything in between. Literally, they're every day, um, and maybe I'm a little different because I see applications for knives because I make knives. But every day, I'm seeing new applications for knives. I, I get, you know, I'm, I'm hanging some security cameras at the house, and the cable's too long. And oh well, I well, oh, there's my knife in my pocket. Cut the cable. I've got the excess. You know, it's trimmed. Or you know, wife's. Do we ever do we do clotheslines anymore? <laughs> the wife's outside hanging a clothesline and excess. Right? You know, cut the excess. Um, for being out on the trail, I know I, I carry, you know, pickaxes and shovels and stuff like that for the, for the major things, but there's all kinds of little things that, that just come into play. You know, I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now, but mm -hmm. just having a knife and in that moment, you see that application and wishing to have it and you don't, it's, it's a knife just carry the knife <laughs> so i a while back i uh i was uh, uh, milling around one of the uh, local uh, stores academy or, or whatever and uh, i picked up a um a gerber knife uh i figure if you can feed a baby with it you can uh, stab things with uh, with their knives but anyway i was real happy with the quality uh and the the expense of the knife 
So yeah. uh, I got one. It's a uh, it's one of those uh, open frames uh, the deal. So there's really no uh, no uh, whatever you call the thing that the handle part uh, is not on there. Anyway, I, I liked it so much having it with me. I made sure that I got more. So I could have it in the short pants that I wear. I could have it in the blue jeans that I wear, and I could have it in the the, the dress pants uh, that I wear to work. Because uh-huh. you don't know. I mean, I use it uh, at work. I use it as a box opener because we, sure. we get the stuff in. The tape is on there. People come sitting there trying to peel it off or use their keys or whatever. I just pull out my five inch knife, flip it open, and, and slice, slice, and it's done. And yep. uh, same thing with cutting cords and everything. I just don't. I have to have the knife with me all the time because you never know when you're going to need it and 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 that's the thing um it's just it's just very handy not to have to fiddle with something because you can cut it and they're the size of them they're so versatile you you don't have to carry a buoy knife to work to cut open a box so you know small ones big ones whatever the application is there is a knife for that application so yeah absolutely i i see all the guys at work I work in a um, fabrication shop, and mm-hmm. they're always carrying around knives. And to be when you said opening up boxes and stuff, um, I'm like, I'll have a box, and I'm not by my desk, and I'm like, oh, can I use your knife? So yeah, I guess you know if you really sit down and think about it, about just everyday things, yeah, I can, I can get it. But I don't, I I don't have pockets sometimes to carry the knife, so I'm, maybe I'm I just need to wear balls. pockets all the time. Or, or a belt. Yeah. You can put, put a sheath on a belt. I'm, I'm one of those goofballs that still opens his mail with a knife. So, I mean, there's there's that application. Oh, it's very handy. <laughs> so, you mentioned buoy knives. And I wanted to, uh, I don't want to give you an opportunity to badmouth something, but from your perspective of a, a knowledgeable person about knives, I've always been curious about this. You can go to Amazon and you can find a big ass buoy knife. You could you could li- possibly even call it a, a mini sword, <laughs> and and they're like fifteen bucks. And yeah. I and I think to myself, how in the hell can that be a good knife? There's a lot of metal there. There's I mean I know I'm sure somebody didn't pound it out or anything, but so what what is the difference between? And I think we all know that having a a hand quality built out of proper materials knife is going to be better in the long run than, than one of these uh, $15, $20 knives. But what is the big deal between those things? What's the big difference between those? So the, the biggest difference in quality, it, it's all revolving on quality, is the steel selection. I don't know for sure, um, you know, specifically what type of steel, but it, it's all from China. It's garbage. It's not a high carbon steel. It's not a strong, durable steel. I wouldn't be surprised if some of them are aluminum. Um, Interesting. That's my opinion. I don't know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is. It's it's the steel selection. If you're going to make a quality knife, you want to make sure that, again, you know what the application is and then choose your steel to that application. A good, durable, bushcrafting buoy knife that's going to beat the, get the stuff and beat out of it, you want it to be a very strong steel and the this this is where it gets over my pay grade and go into chemistry stuff here uh the 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 chromium content the carbon content the the things that make that steel what it is that's how you determine the application you you want a stainless steel if you're going to be working in the kitchen right you you want a little little higher chromium content so we don't rust uh if you're going to be in the outdoors 
um, you'd kind of want to find a good balance between a good high carbon steel, but high carbon rusts. So you want a little chromium in there. So it's not going to rust as much because, you know, you're in the elements. You don't know what type of climate you're going to be in. You don't know if it's going to be raining. You don't know if you're going to be able to dry your knife properly and oil it properly after your experience. So again, it just goes to what your application is and then choosing that steel. Anything that you're going to find at you know, Wally World or, or Big Box Store for $15 and it's going to be a 20 inch knife and you're not getting a quality product. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> now, if it's if it's somebody's birthday present and it's their first knife uh, and you don't know how they're going to react to it or how they're going to use it and you want to save some money, fine. but make that second knife a good quality knife. Right. Now, uh, you know, as I could have predicted this, uh, men generally are all giddy about knives. So Josh has joined us and uh, he he is uh, uh, asked if he uh, wouldn't mind me in chatting and uh, chiming in. And of course not. So, Josh, uh, get in on, on this. I know you got I'm, some knife questions. Yeah, I'm, I'm back here in my studio and I'm like raising my hand. Pick me. Pick me. You know, I got good questions <laughs> and stuff. Now, Philip, really like, browsing through your site earlier today and knew you were going to be on the show. Man, really, your knives are, are amazing and loving the quality of, of a lot of this stuff definitely looks very artistic almost. We talked about the quality and stuff. Somebody who doesn't know about like Damascus steel and, and, and metal sure. forging and stuff like that, they look at the site and they see these blades and they're like, oh, well, these things are all pitted. I don't want, you know, a pitted knife. It looks like it's got, you know, been, you know, dropped on the concrete a million right. times, that sort of stuff. Can you yeah. explain to somebody who isn't familiar with with knife making and stuff and, and metallurgy and, and, and this sort of stuff, what they're seeing on the site and, and that it's not really a, a negative thing. Sure, absolutely. So I, I kind of have a signature style when I, I'm trying to get that nice uh, medium between functional art, right? So mm -hmm. I'm trying to have a design. And if you put my knife next to 10 other people's knives, you're going to be able to see, hey, that's a Be Ready Bladesworks knife. So I'm trying to go for that design aesthetic. Now, what you're seeing that a lot of people may be confused about being a, a just a, a crack or a, a, a pivot or a divot, like you were saying, those are forged marks that are left in. So when you're forging the blade, uh, you're going to have a lot of scale buildup. You're going to have a lot of divots and pivots and, and nicks, never any cracks. If there's a crack, I chunk it and I start over. Um, but what you're seeing there, when you have the bevel rising up to the spine, you're going to have a delineation line. You're going to have nice clean bevels, and then you're going to have this roughed up look to it. That's just my rustic artistic flair that I leave in. So part of my forging process, the very last step that I do, I've, I've got a couple of special tools that I'll take a couple of passes. They're hammers. I'll take a couple of passes that leave in specifically designed uh, texture marks. And I don't grind those out. I do a gentle surface grind so you get a little color contrast of the, the black scale that's in the deep areas and then the clean shiny area that's on the on the higher sides. If we're you know looking top to bottom, it's it's higher surface area. So that just kind of gives it my personal taste, my personal flair, artistic flair, if you will. But there's well, as far as structural rigidity and, and structural soundness, oh man. You can beat those things up like crazy. Now, I saw a picture that you put up the other day uh, of that, and I was trying to, in my mind, trying to figure out how you were able to do that because it looked like uh, you took a, a slice out of a meteorite and just, you know, didn't grind it down on some of the things because there was like, yeah. you know, 
uh, like you said, pits and stuff in it. And it was really cool looking. And I went, well, I, uh, and I thought, I that's a $500 knife. I'm not even going to ask. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so that one specifically, that is, you said $500. I don't know which one you're talking about. <laughs> uh, that was a cool knife. <laughs> that one is is specifically, it is a Damascus pattern. Uh, now, to my knife-making friends, pattern welded. There are there, There's an argument. I will just leave it at that. <laughs> not Damascus. It is pattern welded. Um that is, you take two different types of metals. You take your high carbon steels and you take uh, a, a nickel steel. It's called 15 and 20. It's just got a higher nickel content. You take you alternating layers, high carbon, nickel, high carbon, nickel, high carbon, and you make a massive billet out of it and you just pound and smush. And then you cut and fold and pound and smush and cut and fold and pound and smush and cut and fold. And so you get, you know, however many layers you want. Um, it's, you got to plan ahead for it. So you know what kind of design you're going to get. For the one that you're talking about, it had roughly 500 to 600 layers. Oh and then you, my God. you flatten it out into a large billet and you take a drill bit and you just start poking gentle holes, not all the way through, just surface structure holes all over the top of that. And then you smash it out again. Now, here's the cool part. You shape your blade, you get you know the rough billet shape, I'm sorry, the rough blank shape that you want. Once you've got that, then you dip it into acid, different types of acid, ferrochloric acid, muriatic acid. Some use coffee, you know, anything that's a caustic that's going to eat away the high carbon steel. That's where you get your color contrast. Now, with that specific one, it's called a raindrop pattern because of the drill bits, uh, the drill bit holes. When it when the acid starts eating away, you're left with these different patterns. And the the amazing thing about pattern welding steel is the design aspect. It's it's endless. If your mind can think of a way to distort the pattern of those layers, you get some really cool looking stuff. <laughs> it's, it's so yeah. Well, you've answered a lot of questions about a lot of times that I've seen knives and go. How did they do that? That's that's just amazing. That's going to be fun to, uh, just to be able to have that ability to make those. Now uh, let's let's switch gears a little bit. I, I'd like for people to. I mean, we mentioned uh, the the brbwtx.com website. Uh, it, give us an idea about your knives. What kind of knives do you have? I mean, obviously you've got the the tactical knives, the outdoor knives, but you you have things for the kitchen as well, right? Sure, absolutely. Uh, chef knives, paring knives, fillet knives, cleavers, butcher, but big butcher block knives. Um, it, I, I don't mean to be cocky and it's, it, it's going to come off that way, but I really don't. If it can be drawn out on paper, if it can be visualized, I can make it. So if, if somebody wants some crazy, and I've done it before, some crazy sci-fi knife from, from movie. <laughs> I was just going to say the Cleon Batliff. Have you, have you made the Cleon? I think it's a Batliff, that big curvy thing that uh, Worf always had. Why you should say that. I'm going to be at Comic Palooza uh, at GRB here in Houston, uh, May 10th and 12th. And one of the key guests is actually going to be Michael Dorn, who oh, is Worf. Oh, wow. And a fellow Texan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I, I'm like, I'm, I've got my schedule and I'm drawing things out and I'm like, can I fit in a bat lift just to take and, you know, just give to him or whatever, that kind of thing. Like, you, you know, like it would want it. Who knows? You know, it's going to be but, fun whenever they're searching you going through the doors and you've got 6,000 knives all <laughs> over your long coat and inside. And, and those will be yeah. just the ones they can find without a body scanner. Texas is a beautiful country. I mean, state. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you had it right the first time. <laughs> I, I did a show uh, over the Christmas break uh and it was actually at cinco ranch high school 
inside of the school. I've got 40 knives on my table. There are, you know, ISD administrators walking by just looking at everything and they're like, hey, that's cool. Hey, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, that's cool. I'm like, I'm in a school. How cool is this? This, this is man so, shit. <laughs> GRP is nothing, man. We're good at GRP. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really cool. Uh, so, yeah, it'd be, uh, I always liked Michael Dorn. I especially liked him more when I found out he was from just down the road. I was really surprised by that, actually. Well, I have a, I have a really cool idea. And this is a girly is this a, girl idea. Is this idea. a million dollar idea? I think so. <laughs> I kind of want to do it. So as moms, we're always looking for, you know, like we have paint night, you know, you go paint a picture and drink wine or you go mm-hmm. paint some wine glasses. You should have little come make your own knife. Oh, my thing. God. You, the hours that you'd have to be there, though. So you, this is actually this is a thing. Um, not, not necessarily the, you know, painting with a twist type of idea. Um, cause I don't, I, I wouldn't recommend fire, metal and liquor that, that does not, well, not, and stabby well, not things. liquor, but, <laughs> but you could, you know, you don't need to have liquor at it, but you know, I just, oh, I thought would, that was mandatory, Tammy. I thought wine oh, no. had to be involved yeah. in any of these. Wine and knife making. No, but I just think of, <laughs> I, I, as I'm listening to you talk about the 500 layers and the drill bits and I'm like. God, that sounds like, you know, a crafty, creative thing. Oh, to, it's, it's to much do. more creative than what I thought it was. There yeah. are there are weekend. I mean, there are a lot of people that do classes and these kind of things, but there are one day weekend, you know, six to eight hour type things where, uh, you know, five to ten people will come into the forge. Not me. I haven't started doing it yet, but this is actually you know, one of those things in the plans to come. Uh, but just come into the forge and make little knickknacks. Um everybody loves wall hooks, right? I mean, I'm switching gears from knife making to blacksmithing, but everybody likes wall hooks. You, you've got things you need to hang. Um, so that's one little project that, you know, five to 10 people come in and spend an hour or two on, and then we move to the next project. But the same thing with the knives. It's, it's very easy to take a, a novice and have them spend a couple of hours and just rough shape a very small five-inch knife. You know, very, very simple contours, nothing crazy. But yeah, this this is an actual thing that, that a lot of knife makers are, are branching into as far as, you know, education to the public and, and entertainment of people that just want to come and throw a hammer around. Hey, Philip, I got a question for you. Speaking of throwing stuff around and, and talking a lot about design and, and, and what sets you apart and stuff. You know, there's a trend that's been popping up out here in the Northwest quite a bit lately, and a, a lot of it has to do, I think, with the uh, amount of uh, uh, the timber industry that's out here, and and that's hatchet throwing. I noticed on your site you've got you've got some hatchets that uh, are axes that you, you're listing there. You know, are those in that category? Are, are you seeing a, a big demand for these coming up as well? So, in in the Austin area. Yes. In the Houston area, Dallas area, San Antonio area, not so much. I mean, it's it's starting to come come into those markets. Um, my axes are more designed for um, survival with a purpose, not necessarily entertainment. Um, but as far as strength and rigidity, sure, man, you can throw those things all day long. They're, they're not going to break, uh, but they're not balanced properly. So ah, you're not mm-hmm. 100 out of 100 times actually going to hit blade side at target um but i promise you they're heavy enough that if you're throwing them at someone for you know self-defense <laughs> purposes the job's gonna get done whether it's yeah, the sharp side yeah, got, once got once you hit them there. yeah once you yeah. hit them they're down then you can go pick up the axe and just whack them with it with the, the sharp bit. Absolutely. <laughs> 
So, uh, is there is there anything coming up that maybe you have, uh, like, uh, you know, I don't know if you wanted to mention you were thinking about doing something specific for Jeeps. Did you want to uh, go into anything about that or kind of give us an exclusive or you, you can certainly say no? Sure. There, I mean, it is, it's on the drawing board. This, this is kind of one of those problems with having a very business mind and, and wanting to do things, but only being in the business full time for a year. There's, there's a list, right? So, it's when do I get to the list? Um, I, yeah, absolutely. There, I'm going to design a uh, a knife that is specific for being on the trail. Uh, that you know you can keep in in a you know cubby in the dash in the center console wherever that you keep in your Jeep. So when you're on the trail, you have a knife. It's going to be designed specifically for Jeepers on the trail. And you know, throwing around a name, and we're just going to call it the Jeeper. You know, something like that. Now, will it have seven slots in the uh, the handle? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Million dollar idea right there. Maybe a lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> well, uh, just starting out, I can't afford lawyers, so probably not. <laughs> well, I mean, but I mean, my gosh, you've been uh, doing this for like two years, and now you're you're doing it on your own. I mean, that's this is your daily job. That's amazing. Uh, how's the shoulder <laughs> from pounding out on the the hammer all the time? You, you know, it's it. I I alternate. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I remember when I was fourteen. The, I'm a drummer, so I, I do. I am ambidextrous when it comes to rhythm. So, uh, I, not well, that, that's a that's perfect. That's a great idea. You need to swap so, it around exactly. When one arm gets tired, I just switch, man, and I'm good for another thirty minutes, and the other one's recuperating. So, uh, I've done some pretty big, uh, pretty big builds, and I, I'm still young enough where I don't get tired yet. So. <laughs> In the next That's 10 years. A, it's a good exercise. Do you got a Fitbit? Do you have to wear it on your wrist? <laughs> no. But I, the heat, I, I'm lucky I still have my beard, honestly, because the, the heat gets too hot. Electronics on the wrist, uh, I rarely have arm hair because it just burns oh, off. Oh, yeah. So, my gosh. It, I didn't think about that. Plastic. It would be plastic melted to my arm. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't have to worry about, uh, well, I guess you would have to be able to charge it that way. So I know I've asked you this before, but I, I have to ask you again, since you said you've done some big stuff, I've always wanted to get a broadsword. How much yeah. would it be to have a broadsword? And, and, and how much do they weigh? It's, it's like a hundred and something pounds for the silly thing, isn't it? No, no. That's, I mean, to have a proper one functional and, and properly balanced, you really don't want those things. Just a good, solid, what's called a bastard sword. Um, you really don't want that thing over three to four pounds. Oh, really? If you do. My uh, gosh, they were lopping heads off of those things in one stroke. And I was thinking that's gotta be, and you know, they were just huge, long things. I just, I just knew they had to be 50, 60, 70 pounds. You know, once you got that mass moving, somebody's head's coming right off. It's the edge geometry. It's the edge geometry. Oh, I it's, like it's that. Not I, can, yeah. I can swing a four-pound uh, blade. My, my family's getting nervous right now. I, I, it would just be for, you know, uh, Halloween, you know, giving out candy. It wouldn't be actually used for lopping <laughs> off heads. <laughs> you know, the typical, the typical Viking swords, they were only one to two pounds. I'll be darned. I did not realize that. Ah, I did not know. And obviously, I didn't do any research about it. All right. Well, you know... As as I'm sure all the uh, a lot of the male uh, listeners are uh, getting all excited about knives and wanting to ask questions, we've gone overboard here uh, and even thrown in another uh, interviewer. So we better wrap this thing up because we've gone are gone past our time. Uh, so you know the kids love the social media. Uh, tell us about the social media uh, where we can find you at. 
Yeah, at Be Ready Blade Works, Instagram, Facebook. I've got a YouTube channel, but eh, it's a little lean, so <laughs> I try and stay away from that. <laughs> that's that's to be just starting out. We'll we'll start revamping some some videos and adding there. Um, but yeah, at Be Ready Blade Works website, BRBWTX. Um, I've got a couple of shows. If I can plug those real quick, I'll, of course. I'll be in land at the Highland Games, April thirteenth, and Comic Palooza at GRB in Houston, May tenth through twelfth. And then the big one, Blade Show in Atlanta. That is the world's largest Blade Show. It is an incredible experience. Uh, and that's June 7th through 9th. Man, that sounds uh, sounds exciting. Yeah, and, and uh, it's coming weekend. I'll, I'll be out. I'll be out in Conroe at the Jeep Show on the twenty third. Yeah, also. I was just going to mention that. I'll, hopefully, I'll see you out there uh, on the twenty third. Uh, the uh, Lone Star Jeep Invasion, the first annual. Uh, event that they're having and uh so just so everybody's you know trying to write down these uh places where they can find you they we will have those in the show notes uh philip uh thank you so much for making the time to be with us tonight and uh i didn't hear any pounding so i don't think you were working on a knife while you were doing this interview were you no i'm, I'm in a padded room with good audio I'm not out <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys very much deeply appreciate it and, and keep keep on trucking man good good job and big thanks goes out to Philip for taking the time to talk about Be Ready Blade Works and uh, not jeeping for like two years. But no, I don't understand. It, you know, I've got a business to run and everything. Hey, do you have an idea for a guest? Do you work in the off-road industry or maybe know somebody who does? Maybe you would like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. Don't be shy. Everybody has a Jeep story to tell. So go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your idea for our next great guest. Who knows? We might have you on the show one day. Hey, coming up next week, possibly another Tetris expert to give Josh a run for his money. We'll be talking to Jared from XGCargo.com about storage solutions for your Jeep. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, Tammy, it's funny. I was thinking of doing a top five list, and now you put me to task. I have to do it. But uh, Nikki G doesn't just do a top five he goes over to top on everything the nikki g top 107 reasons why tammy likes top five lists number 107 number one and the number one reason why tammy likes the top five list is so she can tell us about all the shopping she's been doing while tony's doing the guest interview <laughs> All right, boys and girls, I'll chat at you later, and you have a good one. Bye. And, and uh, just in case, and just in case Tammy doesn't say it, it's because she doesn't have anything else to do while I'm asking questions. I was going to say Tony's not letting her get a word in edgewise, so she might as well do some shopping. You know, <laughs> and, you know, uh, just just to clarify, you got you listen out there. Um, Tony's always you need to jump in. You need to jump in. And did you hear me tonight? I jumped in and he interrupted me. He's like, wait, I got a follow-up question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that'll teach you. (laughs) Yeah. So I try my bestest. But it's good that you, that you don't hold, uh, hold these issues in your head. You let go of things right away. (laughs) Yes, I do. And I will not bring this up next week. Maybe. (laughs) Okay, class. It's time for a review. Let's check it out. Check it out. It's time for Jeep Mama's product review. Yeah, what is it and why do I want it? So I obviously have not been doing enough shopping because <laughs> I've kind of run out of products to review. 
I mean, I could, you know, rehash some old ones. So oh, yeah, that's a good I idea, have actually on my blog, I have my bucket list and then I have my Jeep's bucket list, like my Jeep's wish list, things I want to buy for my Jeep. And so I'm going to, the next couple of episodes where I do my product review, I'm going to point out these things that I want to get for my Jeep. And this one is called the Ace JK Lava Jacket. These things are so cool. And what it is, is a jacket that has, um, I guess you would call like almost four arms. So you have the armholes for your arms and then the other two to hook to your air vents. Ah. And yes. So if you're sick of shivering on those early morning trail rides with your top down and doors off, you need this patent pending ACE engineering lava jacket. It's a nylon pullover jacket that ties into the heater vent of your JK JKUs to transfer the heat directly into your jacket. Kind of like, um, I guess, don't motorcyclists have some sort of um, coat similar to this? Anyway, it also converts into the ACE frosty jacket during those hot summer months. Just switch it over to the AC. And it comes in black, the only color that is cool, with the ACE logo in orange on the front pocket. So, and it's made 100% in the USA. We will have a link in the show notes. Um, so this is, I, if anyone out there has one of these and uses it, um, I would love to hear what you think of it. A Jeeper friend of mine suggested this because I like to go topless a lot. I went topless a few times during the polar vortex and really could have used this jacket. So this is on my wish list. So let me ask you, if you wear this into an Ace Hardware store, will people stop you and ask you questions? Uh, you know, they probably would. <laughs> you know, some of the things Josh really laughs at, and you guys can't see him on, on Skype like I can, but some of the ones he just he just puts his head down. He does one of the uh, John, John Luke Picard uh, face palms. Right. <laughs> oh, jeez. I, I don't think he's laughing at your joke, Tony. I think he's like... He's laughing oh, at me, Lord. which is yeah. cool. Right. <laughs> I like that. So I've I've long since had this idea. Damn it! Somebody else came up with <laughs> brought this to market before. Damn I it, could. Kramer! Right? <laughs> no, because uh, you know I'm I I love this idea honestly because yeah it's it's well, basically it your heater idea. hose heater hose attached to the jacket. <laughs> of course I love right. it. Right. Uh, but uh, I, I'm curious too, Tammy. If anybody's actually out there using this, um, how how practical. It is. Um, does the the tube that extends over to the vent does that does it get in the way right. when you're does doing it, you know a full unhooked? ninety degree turn? Yeah. Um, you know, does it get in the way when you're shifting or you know going to turn signals? You know, I I'm just kind of curious if it gets in the way, if it's if it's cumbersome, you know, how well it stays on the vent, you know, all that sort of stuff. It is an awesome idea, and it looks pretty cool too, as far as design and everything else goes. I'm just kind of curious of the functionality. Right. Well, and it's funny because when I'm driving now and I get cold and I'll take my, the sleeve of my jacket uh-huh. or my sweatshirt yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, you, yeah. you hold your hand up to the heater <laughs> vents so or the AC vents. Right. Well, well you, that doesn't really work because you wouldn't be wearing a you know, sweatshirt. You, got, you know, you got first world Jeeper problems whenever you're uh, so anxious to go topless in your Wrangler 
that uh-huh. you're doing so when it's 30 degrees or less outside that you have to buy special gear to keep your ass from right. freezing to death. That's how you know you're a diehard <laughs> Jeep. Right, right. Uh, people showing up on Instagram. Look at this. Only in uh, Maryland. Only in Colorado. Right. I saw somebody in a snowstorm the other day. Uh, th- it was a video up on Facebook from oh, in the Colorado. Yeah, driver guy yeah. in the snow. Uh, it was, that was so it was cool. dark. It was in the snow, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, and that, he just had no Fs to give. He that's right. right. <laughs> the only the only Fs yesterday. he had were freezing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I want to meet. I want to meet that guy. He's diehard cheaper. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. What the hell were you thinking, boy? Uh, do you have an idea for a product review? Just visit our contact page and let us know what you'd like to hear on our next product review. And coming up in a few minutes, we're going to hear a little bit about some events that are happening in your hometown and around the nation in Wheeling Wear. I just pull up out here in the woods and uh, Tammy's doing the show. What the hell's going on? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I always got a microphone in my Jeep. <laughs> Yeah, we've seen that in the uh, the yep. picture of the on the magazine, <laughs> Jeep Action Magazine. That needs a uh, like a uh, uh, a detective uh, theme song from the eighties. Jeep Action right. Magazine. Um. So anyway, uh, what's going on with the f bomb, Josh? Well, I'm gonna drop an f bomb. Well, oh. not literally. I'm actually going to hold it up and, and, and show you guys. Um, and uh, I was at the uh, – told you guys last week that I, I was kind of double booked um, for this last weekend. Um, had some uh, friends that were going wheeling, uh, an event that I was uh, invited to that I was going to try and go to. But I was already committed to going to a big gun show, uh, a big spring gun show here in the Portland area, um, which I ended up attending. And it's a good thing I did because uh, um, there were some amazing deals there. And uh, I made a couple good friends. And uh, ended up picking else, picking up a little something else that I'm calling the f bomb. Now I'm sharing a picture with my co-host right now for those who are listening. Um, but uh, what I am uh, showing them is an f bomb. Um, think of the old school, uh, you know, uh, days of you know Roadrunner and Coyote, the old school bomb. The, you know, the black, you know, sphere, Bowling ball, the little thing on the top, you know, with the with the fuse that comes up, the spy versus spy bomb, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. The, the you know the the um, the the Super Mario Brothers bomb type of thing, you know that that type of bomb. But this one's got a big. This F one isn't black though. No, it's uh, it's been powder coated red. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm walking I'm walking down all the aisles of the gun show, and I'm about halfway through through things, and I come across this table that has just some of the most amazing metalwork I have ever seen, and. We, we have these guys on that make knives and everything, and those are truly wonderful, amazing uh, pieces of, of art and, and craftsmanship. Uh, this was something else altogether. Uh, I mean, there was, uh, he had a bunch of stuff out there that had um, the word, the, the F word, um, you know, etched into it or laser cut out of it. Things like, you know, F your safe space and, you know, s- snowflakes can go F themselves and you know, Holy stuff crap. like that in the Pacific yeah, Northwest, no, no, not pulling any punches whatsoever. We're not talking. This guy was so far away from politically correct. It's not even funny. And that's why I had to patronize his, his booth, <laughs> um, right. uh, going through some of the stuff he had. Some of it was very artistic. Some of it would be perfect in a lodge cab, you know, log cabin or something like that up at the lodge, you know, stuff like that. Some of it was very practical. He had some keychains and he had uh, some other stuff. Uh, one thing that stood out was a, um, a Punisher logo, you know, Punisher from like the comic books, Punisher. Um, but it, it, instead it had Trump hair 
on the top of it. I, I thought that was <laughs> no. hilarious. Um, he had a bunch of, uh, you know, really cool bottle openers and stuff like that. And I'm, as I'm coming around the corner of the table, getting away from the more artsy fartsy hang on the wall type stuff to the more practical, cool, funny and offensive type stuff. I see this big, bright, shiny red F bomb. And I'm like, Oh boy, I got to have that. I need that F bomb in my life. How much is it? He's like, this is the last one. That's a $20 piece. But if you take it off my table right now, I'll give it to you for 10 bucks. Oh, wow. Shook his hand. I said, you're my new best friend. Here's 10 bucks. <laughs> so I got this, I mean, custom made, you know, essentially, I mean, die cast metal, you know, um, laser cut, uh, powder coated. I mean, you can't get workmanship like this, you know, for, for, tw- for under 20 bucks. So I, I very, very good deal. I'm I'm a miss now because I didn't get the guy's card or anything, so I don't even know the name of the company. Oh, uh, but no. uh, the next the next gun show, um, he's going to be there. I'm going to go back and uh, and pick up a couple more things. I'm actually going to um, try and get a couple few things. He had uh, some really cool items that uh, that you can mount to a um, uh, a trailer hitch receiver plug. You know, so you could have like a Jeep that's logo. That's what I was or, thinking you know, about this one. I thought this would this, be. And that's kind of the direction I'm going to go with this. Was this F bomb might end up on a trailer hitch plug in the back of my in the back of my Jeep? So, um, well, you got a welder, the, the thing, don't you? So you could do well, that. Well, of course, you know, have welder will fab. So <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, I, I don't know. It may go up in the studio just here on the wall. Um, I am a little worried about somebody um, being as attracted to it as I was and having some sticky fingers and liberating my Jeep of it. Oh, that's why you um, electrify it. But 50,000 well, volts exactly. on that, baby. <laughs> right to the coil. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I had a lot of fun this last weekend. Um, uh, went uh, with a gun show with some friends. A buddy of mine picked up an SKS. He got an amazing deal on it. Um, can't wait to get out to the range and, and uh, throw some lead with that thing. Um, you could probably I, shoot this f bomb. You could use this as a makeshift gong. No, right? no, 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 no. <laughs> this it's it's only about uh, uh, maybe it's not quite an eighth inch thick. It's you know probably sixteen gauge oh, steel okay. or something it like looks, that. It looks so. it looks really thick from the picture. Yeah, I'm holding oh, it up yeah, to the yeah, yeah, that so would make a good uh, a good thing for the two inch receiver. But yeah, I mean the thing is, you know, I mean it's bigger than my hand. I got pretty big hands, so let's let's call this thing about you know ten inches in diameter uh, or so. Um, so I mean it's it's fairly large and eye catching and and it's got some great workmanship done to it and so I'm 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 excited about it I I'm very very happy about that purchase and and there were some other purchases that I that I wish I could have made uh, there were some deals there that were going on that I am I'm very amiss that I I didn't get to the show earlier uh, because if I had things wouldn't have been sold well, out don't forget uh, this was the last one so you were there early enough to get this one so that's that's good look at the positive yep, side yep. well the next gun show I'll be I'll be uh, talking with the guy again picking up uh, a few of the items and uh, we just might uh, have some stuff here in the near future that I'll be giving away on the show so yeah stay yeah, tuned it's really cool now real quick I mean I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll put this picture up on the uh, the show notes so you can see it uh, but um, yeah, maybe you guys, it'll catch your eye at the, the same as I did. When I first saw this picture, Josh, that you shared to us here on, on the, uh, the chat, um, yeah. I didn't realize what was going on there because I see this blue in the background, light blue, that kind of looks like a shirt that somebody's wearing and the color of the arms of the chair look like a person's <gasps> oh! arms. <laughs> <laughs> I see where you're going with that. I'm like, and, what and is I'm he going, looking at? Why is he sitting in the lap of this person wearing yeah, a blue he's, shirt? He's like, Whose lap is he in? And why? <laughs> I'm not here to judge. And however you get your your artwork oh, is your that's business. Funny. 
Well, uh, for those who have some Photoshop skills, uh, if you head over to JeepTalkShow.com and uh, check out the show notes for this episode, well, <laughs> you might be able to have some fun. And so you kind of look like you're sitting up kind of high, too. So, Oh, yeah. Well, I'm a big guy. That's funny. All right. Anything from you to th- this week, Tammy? Well, actually, um, last week's interview with um, Terry Pritchard, last episode's right. interview, I signed up for their spring trail ride on April 6th. Right. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to camp. And, well, I think I am going to camp. I Hopefully, I am. And um, Nate's going to be there. So. Um, oh, you're going to have to swing by and pick him up, right? Because his Jeep's uh, yeah. still down. Right. But, um <laughs> I will be bringing, remember my purple ammo can carriers? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know how I'm not using them anymore. And I, you know, I put them out on Craigslist and because, you know, I'm in my minimalism mode. I will be bringing those up for Nate because Nate, they'll match Nate's Jeep. So, oh, uh, very good. Yeah. So I feel good about, you know, giving them to somebody else who can use them. And Nate has ammo cans all over his Jeep. Oh, so that's perfect. good. Perfect. Yeah. So he'll actually be able to make some good use of those. Right. The Tony, other you're thing. Gonna, oh, sorry, Tammy. Oh, no, I just have <laughs> one one more little thing to say. Um, on Facebook, you know, you always see if you didn't have a Jeep, what other vehicle would you get? And I'm like, there is no other vehicle I would want until today. Um, a friend was talking to me about the Subaru Crosstrek, and you need to. You can get it like lifted with big. Yeah, they make they make full lift kits for those things. You can put thirty inch tires in a room. I had no idea, but no, not not to trade in my Jeep or anything because I will never no. get rid of my Jeep. But that would be a really badass commuter vehicle to go to work. So anyway, I just thought I'd share that that I finally found another vehicle that I would have. Yeah, for me, it'd just be a full size pickup. Uh, every fourth car out here is a Subaru, it seems like. So, or that are Prius. I'm, I'm, I've had right. it up to here with Subaru Crosstracks. <laughs> yeah, but see, <laughs> but, but you can, but, you can like what you, when, what you want, of course. Right. No, absolutely, absolutely. No, I, and Tammy, really I'm, cool. I'm with you. I, I'm very attracted by the fact that you know, uh, and in fact, there's a lot of you know redneck engineering that goes out here. The, the guys with the old school Subarus, like the old Brats, you know, the, the those right. old you know Subarus. Um, I, I see those outlifted uh, up here all day. Um, there, there, there's a huge uh, rally force out here because we have so much mountainous terrain out here. There, there's, a, there's a lot of rally events that happen, and of course, Subaru dominates the rally, uh, the rally industry or the, the, the rally circuits. Um, so yeah, I see uh, all kinds of Subarus lifted out here. Um, right. And once I started seeing these brand spanking new, you know, 2017, 2018 Crosstrex that are getting lifted and, you know, 28, 29, 30 inch tires and stuff on them. I'm, I'm blown away. I was like, wow, already? Right. Okay, cool. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, well, the- one thing about pickups though, Tony, is all your friends want you to help them move crap. All you have so. to do is say no. Yeah, um, I know. So the, <laughs> the, the I, only, I can't. The only four wheel drive automobile that I've ever been interested in, and I think I'd still be interested in it, and I believe I'm saying this right, the American Eagle. You remember that one, Josh? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. That was a cool looking, and it was well, well before its time. Way before its I mean, that was before the Cherokee Chief, even, I oh, think. Oh, that was like uh, Gremlin, AMC Pacer, yeah. uh, whatever, yeah, all the like early 70s, whenever that thing came out, I believe. So and there's a, 
There's an arterial road that I travel every single day after I drop a coworker off, and uh, there's there's this house that's on this road, and he has two eagles, two AMCs out front, and then something else that I can see kind of through the fence line that I'm not sure what it is, but he's got a bunch of the old like you know um, like uh, old uh, gas tower, gas station towers, and and old oil signs and, and stuff like. He's clearly you know one of these old school you know gearhead type of guys. And it's like, I'm, part of me wants to just pull in the driveway, I, I I'm ring the doorbell and says, hi, I'm Josh. I'm a fan of the AMC and Jeep and, you know, all this stuff. Can I just interview you and talk to you a little bit about your Jeep, you know, these, these old school AMC Eagles you have? Because, I mean, ultimately, these, these were probably some of the inspiration that led up to the design of the Cherokee, the XJ. Yeah, probably so. I I uh, I have not yet seen one, but I'm kind of that way for the uh for the uh was it the is it FJ the FJ uh Jeeps, the forward cab, no FC, forward FC, cab Jeeps. Yeah, yeah the, the 100 150 or something like that. You know, uh, uh Ben uh at uh, uh Jeep Action Magazine has actually got several uh, several that he's piecing together building oh, one. Oh man, I'm jealous. You don't ever see those even at the shows out here. I think I've maybe seen one in person my entire life yeah i think uh, jeep actually purchased uh, uh one i don't know what model it was but it was you know one from the 50s and they took a tj uh frame uh powertrain the whole nine yards and took the body of the forward uh, control uh jeep and put it on on the tj and then they was took that it- the one that they brought to like the 2015 easter jeep safari uh that's at moab right yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's a I saw it in a YouTube video, and I was like, oh hell yeah, with a, yeah. A, the TJ a 4.0, uh, the transfer case, all that stuff that you know is it, it's very common. Uh, if you have an XJ or a TJ, you know it so well. And then to have the cool of that forward cab truck, uh, a oh, body on top of it, that would just, it looked amazing. It really looked sweet. That I'm just would be mean. A, that would be a cool daily driver. Yeah, no, absolutely. hundred percent. I'm sure it got crap for gas mileage, but you know, all that, all that old steel on the, on that frame and that little force, uh, uh, four liter. Uh, yeah, no, they wouldn't need to put a V8 in that thing, but yeah, I'm with you, Tony, that the lines of that, the way that, that, uh, that concept vehicle turned out was amazing. And of course, uh, I'm sure you, you guys saw the, uh, the, the FC, uh, the Ford cab Jeep, the the concept vehicle that Jeep came up, uh, came out with maybe five, six years ago. And and it had uh, modernized a lot of the lines, so it didn't look so like a '50s style so much. God, mm-hmm. that thing was gorgeous. I I mean, it's uh, man. I just wish I had a metal 3D printer. I'd have all kinds of crap. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as uh, as we've already stated here a couple times on the show, I'm going to be heading out to the Lone Star Jeep Invasion in Conroe, Texas. Uh, this Saturday, uh, the twenty third, uh, the tomorrow, uh, from uh, the the date we're releasing this uh, this episode. So, uh, and I will have some stickers. I'm hoping that there's not going to be a problem with me carrying around a, a little backpack full of crap, uh, Jeep talk show crap. And uh, if not, we may have to wander back out to uh, the old Cherokee uh, to pull some of the the goodies out. But uh, if you're going to be out there, make sure that uh, if you're not already following uh, Jeep talk show on facebook instagram um where else on twitter uh because uh, i will be posting things and maybe posting where i'm located so that you can find me you know uh, i was telling matt a friend of mine the other day that really the only show that i've ever really ever been to is sema so maybe i'm thinking 
really, really too big. And maybe this isn't going to be uh, so spread out as uh, SEMA is, because SEMA is a nightmare if you want to try to find yeah. somebody, because uh, it's so huge. So uh, this may not may not be uh, that bi- that much of a problem uh, as far as finding uh, people that will not uh, link up and uh, talk about Jeeps and uh, maybe uh, get a sticker or something. But uh, anyway, follow uh, follow us on social media. I'll be posting stuff up. And, of course, if you want to join the campfire side chat and have some fun with us, just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Find out all the ways you can reach out to us and have some fun. Now let's get to some events from around the world and maybe in your neck of the woods. And don't forget to let us know about your event, one that you are planning or involved with, whatever, if you even just have heard about it. Well, let us know. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Fill out our wheeling wear form. We'll get it and we'll get that information out on the show. Hey, Josh. Now, come. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you got this story in there. We we didn't have a time. Uh, I didn't chat with you about this, but I, I, I guess you saw the email uh, that uh, oh, yeah. the gentleman sent us about this uh, uh, Boardwalk Billy's thing. And uh, I just want to reiterate about going to the jeeptalkshow.com slash contact where you can fill out the wheeling wear form because he was concerned that he he had been listening, faithful listener. He hadn't heard us mention about the Jeep Night at boardwalk billies and uh i went back and did some research and actually he had uh sent us the last time he sent us something email we weren't doing the form and uh, i just want to make sure that we that i point out here that if you use that form that information goes to all three of us but especially josh and josh is the one that's responsible for getting these things up on here and uh, right under the bus yeah (laughs) so no i'm just saying if it doesn't get to you it for certainly isn't going to be in 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 here now it may not be chosen to be in the show because we're not gonna uh, we get several of them sometimes and we're going to pick the ones that we think are the most uh the most informative the best for the that show uh but josh aren't we putting these things in the show notes uh for people uh, yeah, I mean, all the information is going in the show notes and stuff. And yeah, obviously, when we get, you know, 10 submissions in a week, you know, uh, we're not putting out all 10 of those into the show. We're going to pick two or three and we're going to get that information out to you guys, um, you know, so you can you, you know about it here on the show. Uh, now, we have some stuff that come in sort of last minute. Now, if, if you put in a, a, a request, you know, for, you know, bring us a, some news about an event and it's like the weekend before, you know, the day before the, yeah, the weekend that it's going to be done. Well, yeah, there's not going to be a whole lot of people that, that get to hear about that. We want at least a couple of weeks to get the word out for you. And, and you know, before the event, uh, a month is great. Um, any more than that. And I'm going to I'm going to have to put it out. I've already started getting stuff for like June and July and August. I'm like. Which is which is great. We love it's great, that. But, you know, I've, I, I'm not going to be, you know, talking about events in July in february right you know it's just it's, it's too far in advance there's too much other stuff going on between now and then so i usually uh put it you know start talking about events about a month in advance or so so that gives you an idea as to when you need to get the information in in regards to your show and, and so we, we absolutely love hearing from you guys and love getting these events no, from you and nobody's oh, yeah. nobody's bothering us whenever you say you haven't heard it my concern is as, as well as for tammy and josh is is that we don't want to miss it uh, it's it's something that's important and people need to know about it and we love being able to share that. We just want to give you an idea of how we're trying to handle it. Even if it's not the best way, it's just the, the best way for us right now. 
Ben, honestly, it's a roll of the dice at this point as far as the shows go. I usually try and highlight the shows that, um, uh, you know, they're they're supporting a good cause or something like that, where if it's an event that uh, that is new, you know, it's a, a club or an organization that, that we haven't highlighted before, then I'll try and give them a little bit of top billing as well. You know, stuff like that. So it just kind of goes, if, if it's just... You know, Billy Bob and 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 uh, and the good old boys going out for some stump jumping. Well, I, you know, I probably won't talk about that compared to like the Toys for Tots run, you know, coming right. up or something like that. You know, that's obviously going to get more billing over, you know, just a club run, uh, that sort of thing. But you know, that being said, if it's a slow week, um, you know, there's not much coming in, then I might go ahead and pick a couple club runs to talk about. So, uh, take that for what it's worth. Coming up this, uh, well, uh, for, for this Wheeling Wear, we've got um, uh, the event that we were just talking about. In fact, uh, this is the Four Wheeling for Help, uh, the Jeep Night at Boardwalk Billy's. Now, this is a reoccurring event. I want to you know kind of highlight that because this event happens the first Monday of each and every month from March through October. So even though this is an ongoing event and it happens several times a month, I'm not going to be talking about it each and every single show, but I will go ahead and take a couple minutes to tell you guys that this is their third year doing this. All proceeds from these events that happen each and every week, you know, each uh, first first um, uh, first Monday of each month, rather, um, you know, all the proceeds are going from these events to uh, children or families in need in the local area. This is a good cause. Um, they've been doing this for a while. And a lot of people come out to support. And in fact, they have anywhere from 50 to 150 Jeeps that show up each and every time they do this event. They've got vendors that are coming out now and stuff too. This is becoming a big deal. So if you want to support a good cause uh, and you are in the Charlotte, North Carolina area or within a short drive of Charlotte, North Carolina, please consider heading over to Boardwalk Billy's for Jeep Night. Uh, first Monday of each month, April 1st is the next one, May 6th, and then June 3rd. You kind of get the idea. So, um, and of course, uh, yeah, this, like I said, this is all uh, helping out ch- children and families uh, in need in the area. So, you know, good stuff. Uh, happening March 28th through the 31st is the Arkansas Crawlers New Guys Run. Uh, this is happening at the Hot Springs ORV Park in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And this one, I got to give a quick apology for to Roger. Uh, sorry, Roger. Um, you know, you got this in kind of last minute. This is submitted today. As we are recording the show, so kind of a very last minute, got to get the submissions in at least two weeks in advance. Uh, But this is the Building Homes for Heroes Barbecue Party and Car Show happening March 23rd, 2019. Uh, Texas A&M University is where it's all going down in Laredo, Texas. And this is obviously uh, an event that's, uh, you know, towards a good cause. Um, We're going to have links and more information and everything that you need about these uh, about these events on the uh, the show in the show notes for this episode at jeeptalkshow.com and that's it for the show for this week my fellow jeeper it's never been more important than it is right now to make sure you are subscribed to the show so you have access to all of our great content and as always thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded jeep podcast Warning, objects in the mirror are losing and probably eating your dust. Podcasting since 2010. When the, the, the cop pulls you over after the drag race, that's his poor sportsmanship. <laughs> poor sportsmanship. <laughs> Turn on the red and blue lights. Come on. <laughs>